Hello, wonderful people, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 71 and part number one of our new series called Keep Christ in Christian. Uh, Let's just jump right into this thing. Uh, Keep Christ in Christian. Uh, Have you ever heard the phrase... Uh, you've seen the bumper sticker, Keep Christ in Christmas. You, you've seen it. You've, you've heard it, right? Of course. Confession, though, right? If I have to start off with a confession, sit down in the confessional booth, you're the priest, I'm the confessor. I hate that phrase. I hate it so much. I think it's so smug. And totally, totally, no offense to you, if you have that sticker on your car, you do you, my friends, okay? You do you. But for me, it's just always bothered me. Why? Because the underlying message, right, is that you don't keep Christ in Christmas like I do, uh, like we do in my family, my church, right, my tribe of people. And so if you're not on fire for Jesus like I am or like we are, well, then you have some serious like soul work to do, right? So stop making it about presents. Uh, stop making it about Santa, about hot chocolate, Hallmark, cheesy Christmas movies. Uh, stop making it about family memories, right? It's, it's all about Jesus. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, and more Jesus. And if you don't think so, well, there's something wrong with you, right? Keep Christ in Christmas, Uh, It's not a phrase that draws people in. It's a phrase that pushes people away. It doesn't draw like a circle to include everybody, but it's more of a phrase that draws a line. It builds a wall that keeps people on the other side, right? You're not like me. You're not like us. Uh, You don't celebrate the right way. So you stay over there. In my most humble of opinions, right? I just think, I think it's silly. And, and so for Christmas this year, uh, what we're going to do here at the What If Project podcast is tweak the phrase just a little bit. And instead of talking about keeping Christ in Christmas for the holidays, uh, we're going to talk about keeping Christ in Christian all year long. Instead of encouraging people to focus on Christ during Christmas time, uh, we're going to challenge ourselves to live more like Christ every single day. And so here's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a roadmap, if you will, of what the next few weeks will, will look like. Today, uh, we will talk about a story from, uh, about Jesus from the book of Luke. Um, and next week, we'll talk about uh, the birth of Christ as described in Matthew. Both of these episodes, just so you know, will be solo episodes where it's just you, uh, me, uh, the microphone, and uh, my Bible in front of us, in front of me, and uh, I will just be kind of talking through some things. Uh, it almost feels like a sermon to me. That that scratches a major itch in my brain. I, I like these solo episodes. Uh, I do them once in a while. I will probably do them more in 2020, uh, but I used to pastor a church, and so uh, I would stand up in front of people every Sunday, and I would talk about things. And when I was a pastor, there's a lot of things I did not like about being a pastor. But actually, having these sermons to talk about 
was one of the things that I really did like and enjoy. Uh, it gave me a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know, a lot of uh, satisfaction to kind of sit uh, with my books and to study and to put something together and then to stand up and share it with people on Sunday morning. So I guess this uh, kind of format, I don't know, it like scratches that itch in my brain and it feels very sermonish. And so uh, that'll be this week and next week. And then the third week, the final week, uh, we're going to talk to Alexander John Shia. And uh, he's going to come on and just blow our minds wide open about some of the historical context of Christmas and the early church and beyond. And I think you're really going to uh, enjoy enjoy that. So anyway, all of that said, um, as I mentioned, this is week one of our series, uh, Keeping Christ in Christian. And today I want to talk to you about a story in the Bible, in the New Testament, about a guy named Zacchaeus and uh, his interaction with Jesus. Why? Why this story that has nothing to do with Christmas uh, to kick off our Christmas series? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we'll talk about the Christmas story uh, next week, but I really think that the story of Zacchaeus uh, shows us the heart of Christ and the way in which he moved and still moves uh, through the world better than maybe any other story in the Gospels. I think that this story nails it. Like, you want to know who Jesus was, what he did, how he treated people. This is the story uh, to go to. But before we jump into all of the good stuff, let's let's actually read the story, right? Probably a good place to start. So if you're near uh, your Bible, feel free to grab it, uh, read along, or you can just close your eyes, soak it in. Uh, if you're driving your car, do 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 none of the above. Uh, for the love of God, don't close your eyes and, and don't read your Bible. Uh, just drive and get where you're going safe. Uh, but but here it is. It's from the book of Luke. Um, it's chapter 19. I have my Bible right here in front of me. You, you can hear those wonderful thin pages. Uh, Luke chapter 19, and it's the first uh, nine verses of the chapter. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people saw this, and they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And there you have it. There's the story. So there's just one thing. Uh, that's my cat screaming in the background. I don't know, I don't know what this cat every time I turn on this microphone, this cat decides it's time for me to scream. So if you hear her yelling, uh, she's here too. 
Uh, it's it's early in the morning, by the way. It's like I don't know. It's like five something right now uh, because it's it's Saturday. Uh, we have a crazy day today. Um, I have literally no other time to record this episode. Uh, it's been such a crazy week, and so it's Saturday. And uh, my cat's deciding to scream. The cat hasn't like really screamed all week. I'm down here every morning, uh, usually reading or something, and she doesn't yell. But I turn on the mic and, hey, my name's Pixie the Cat, and uh, I'm here to let you know uh, that I'm going to be loud and irritating. So anyway, uh, she might come back. Who knows? But there's just one thing in this in this story uh, that I want to point out to you. And it's one thing that has like a whole lot of different layers to it. And so as we peel back uh, each layer or idea, uh, I want to pose maybe some questions or or some thoughts along the way that will uh, that we can like think about, that we can meditate on um, in this upcoming week and year uh, that I hope will will sort of help us become more faithful followers of the Jesus way, the way of Christ, uh, the way of love and and grace and peace and and mercy and uh, kindness and all that stuff as we make our way through. Um, the Advent Christmas season and beyond into into the new year. So the thing I find super interesting in the story, the thing that's got multiple layers to it, very simple. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Now, don't miss that, right? It sounds super obvious, but it's super important. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And he doesn't just see him, right? But he sees something in him that nobody else in the crowd is apparently able to see. Now, now remember, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And tax collectors were 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 hated by the communities in which they collected taxes from because they would not only collect the the money that the empire required, but then they would go above and beyond that. Uh, so nice of them, and they would collect an additional amount that they would then keep for themselves. And so, for example, if the government collected let's say 90%, which sounds absurd, but there are actually scholars that say in some instances, in some communities, that's what the government took, 90%. If that was the case, then the tax collector would take 95% and keep that additional 5% for him, for himself. And if he did that for every home or every taxable person in the community, then he would have a pretty decent chunk of change, right? To take home apart from his regular paycheck from the government. And on top of that... Um, a lot of tax collectors had like minions of sorts. And since Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector who was very, quote, wealthy, he probably had the minions. The minions would go around and do all the dirty work for him while he just sat back at home kind of thing and counted the money. They'd collect the money, they'd take a small cup for themselves, and they would give the rest to the tax collector that they worked for. And so, yeah, everybody hates tax collectors. If people saw Zacchaeus coming... Uh, they pretended they didn't see him. They looked the other way. They moved to the other side of the street. They looked down at the ground. Here comes the bum who steals our money. Look the other way. Don't make eye contact. He's terrible. He's a nobody. He's a thief. He's a sinner. Make him feel unwelcome, right? Because he's not welcome here. Now, Luke says that Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus, but he couldn't because he's short, right? He's a small guy and, and the crowd is in the way. So he runs ahead of the path that Jesus is going down, and he climbs a tree to get a better look. Uh, nobody invited him to the front of the crowd. Nobody puts this little guy on their shoulders, right, so he can see too. Nobody offers him a place at the front of the line so he can get a peek 
at this rabbi that everybody is talking about. None of that. Why? Because again, he's hated. And so people looked the other way, right? They make sure and made certain that this guy feels unwelcome, as unwelcome as unwelcome can possibly be. You want to see Jesus? Fantastic there, little guy. Go back, go up there and climb a tree, right? You have no place here with us. What happens next, though, is is pretty cool because Jesus, Luke says, looks up and says to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I love this because even though Zacchaeus was a tax collector, Jesus saw worth and value in him. He saw Zacchaeus, yes, but he saw something in Zacchaeus that apparently nobody else was able to see. He didn't just physically see Zacchaeus with his eyes, but he looked deep into his soul and saw something of value. Worth and value enough, not merely to invite Zacchaeus out for a meal, but to actually invite himself over to Zacchaeus' house for a meal. In other words, I don't expect you to come to me, Zacchaeus. I'm going to come to you. Now, imagine if more churches took this approach, right? Because man, when I was a, when I was a when I was a pastor, the pressure was immense to get people to come to the church and fill the pews every Sunday morning. Like there were Sunday mornings where I would sit in my office, uh, literally praying to God, not that the service would go well, uh, not that my sermon wouldn't bomb but that when I walked through those two doors and walked to the front of the church, that those pews would have more people in them or the same amount of people in them that we had last week. Uh, Because sometimes, to be real with you, it felt like the board members above me, like the elder board, cared more about how many people were in the church than they cared about the quality of the service that those people sat through on that Sunday morning. I mean, that sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I am totally not. Like, If attendance was down, or if people weren't coming as much as they were a few a few months prior, like dude, I was expected to make phone calls, stop at people's houses, do whatever I could do, pull out all the stops to make sure that people would come back, or at the very least, send a check. Right, get more people into the church, create a message that will draw people in get more young people to come to the church. Young people bring parents, parents bring money, money pays the bills, right? That's the, that's the general formula that, that we had. Uh, the idea was always, you got to come to us, right? Because we've, we've got this message for you and it's fantastic. And we need your money. So don't forget to bring your wallet. But, but Jesus, right in this story, he does the exact opposite, right? He doesn't invite Zacchaeus down from the tree, and ask him to come to the temple or over Peter's house. Hey, come over to the temple. We've got a great message for you today. Rabbi so-and-so is going to be talking about uh, this passage, and you're really going to enjoy it. Come over to the temple. Come to Peter's house. He's one of the 12 disciples. The other disciples will be there too. Come hang out with us at our place. Instead, he says, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. Let's go to your house. Jesus entered his world entered his life, his home, uh, his universe. Whereas the crowd saw nothing but a tax collector who was a cheater and a crook. Jesus saw a human being 
created in the image of God, right? That was worthy of love and grace and mercy. His identity as a tax collector, completely irrelevant to Jesus. Now, before you tell me that Zacchaeus, you know, he must have first asked for forgiveness. He, he must have changed his life. He must have told Jesus his intentions to change. He must have done something to earn this special visit uh, from Jesus to step into his life. But he didn't, right? He didn't say anything about giving money back to the people he stole from until after Jesus called him down from the tree and after Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house for a meal, right? All of that stuff happened after Jesus had come down from the tree and after Jesus said, let's go to your place. And to push the button a little harder, to make my point a little bit more obvious, there's nothing in the story that indicates to me that Jesus came into Zacchaeus' life or his home or his world or whatever as a result of Zacchaeus saying a special prayer uh, asking for forgiveness, repenting of his sin, or anything else. Very simply, you couldn't see over the crowd. He climbed a tree. Jesus saw him maybe up there tangled in the branches and said, hey, come on down. Let's go to your house. He made it very easy to connect with Zacchaeus. And so that makes me wonder, why in the world do we make getting to God so freaking hard for people Right When Jesus went out of his way here and many other places as well to do the exact opposite. I mean, man, this past week alone, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people uh, declare on Facebook and Twitter and every other uh, dumpster fire social media platform that in order for people to, quote, have eternal life or go to heaven when they die or have Jesus in their life, first they've got to repent They've got to ask Jesus for forgiveness. They've got to change their lives. They've got to adhere to this doctrine, stop doing this, start believing that. And although you can you can look through your Bible and you can make an argument by stringing together uh, some verses that those things are true, I'm not talking about all of those verses right now. I'm just talking about this story. And in this story, Jesus didn't make Zacchaeus do any of that stuff before he invited him down from the tree and stepped foot into Zacchaeus' life. And so again, whereas the crowd saw nothing but a tax collector who's a cheater and a crook, Jesus sees a human being who carries within him the image of God and is therefore worthy of love and grace and mercy regardless of what label he carried, job he had, or how many people's lives in the community that he ruined. I think that's beautiful, right? And here's another layer. As a tax collector, Zacchaeus would have been considered to be unclean and, and dirty. And so being in his house would have caused a good Jew like Jesus to also be defiled. So this is why Luke says that those who stood by grumbled and said, well, oh, look, Jesus has gone into the house to be a guest of a sinner, right? And so by inviting the sinner down from the tree, by stepping foot into the house of the sinner, by mingling and eating with the family and friends of the sinner, Jesus, they thought, was opening himself up to be defiled and made unclean and dirty in the eyes of God. Instead, though, something else happened. I was reading this, this, this uh, short commentary this week by a woman named Elizabeth Johnson, 
And she says that rather than be defiled by their company, Jesus instead communicates wholeness and welcome. Wholeness and welcome. Now, it's important to realize that for uh, the Jews of Jesus' day, uh, table fellowship or eating with someone, uh, especially in their own home, didn't just like symbolize friendship, but actually like acceptance. It indicated more than just, you know, you're pretty cool to hang out with. Let's go have dinner. It was more like showing approval of that person. And so by inviting himself over for dinner, Jesus was saying, hey, Zacchaeus, I accept you. I approve of you just the way you are. And by welcoming Jesus in, Zacchaeus was saying, I too accept you. Jesus. Mutual acceptance by Jesus, then by Zacchaeus. Jesus accepted him first, and Zacchaeus followed suit. Again, the church can learn from this, right? Yeah, God loves you, but you need to change. God will come into your life, but you, you got to repent. God will forgive you, but first you need to ask for it. How many times have you heard that, right? But none of that stuff here. And so again, whereas the crowd, right, they saw nothing but a tax collector who's a crook and a cheater, Jesus saw a human being created in the image of God who was worthy of love and grace and mercy, regardless of the label that the people had slapped on his back. And so with all of that in mind, here's a question for you. Who in your life, who in your world, your workplace, your school, your community, your street, who is the person who feels like they are not welcome? Like they don't matter. Like they feel ashamed. Uh, They're told they need to change before they will be welcomed or loved or accepted. Who in your world is nothing more than a tax collector? Who, Who in your life does the world not see because all it can see is the label they've attached to that person. He's just a tax collector. Well, she's just a lesbian. And we believe that's sinful here. I heard that she's a stripper. I heard that he's sleeping around on his wife. I heard that he's an addict. She's a deadbeat mom. He's a terrible manager or boss. She's a lazy employee. You can fill in your own blank, but who in your life is seen as the sinful tax collector, the outcast from the tribe? And what would it look like for you to call them down from the tree? Step into their world and carry Christ to them today. Is there a single mom on your street who people think is a hermit? But the reality is that she has three kids, two jobs, runs on caffeine, and God only knows what else. Go buy her groceries this week or cook her family a meal and drop it off. Is there an LGBTQ person in your church They're deathly afraid to come out because they know they'll be shamed and they'll be ridiculed. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're you're their ally. Uh, Invite him or her or them over for dinner this week. Is there a friend of a friend who you know who's an addict? They're trying to get clean, but, but they can't. Call them up. Send them a Facebook message, whatever. Tell them that even though you might not know them super well because they're the friend of a friend of a friend, uh, you'd be honored to accompany them to an AA meeting. Uh, wait in the car, take them out for coffee when it's all done. I, I don't know what it looks like for you, really, because because I don't know who the person is for you who is the Zacchaeus in your world. But I can tell you that somebody, somewhere in your circle of relationships is feeling like Zacchaeus. 
They're trying desperately to get a glimpse of God, but they can't. Because the people of God, the machine, the system, the church, sees them as less than or different or sinful or lost or, or whatever. Guys, rage against the machine, right? Call the person down from the tree this week and step into their life. But we can, we can drill down a little bit deeper to the story. So let's, let's take back one more layer of the story, pull it back a little, a little bit. There's this interesting thought I came across in my reading uh, about the story that I never knew before. And, and I briefly shared it with my patrons um, on Patreon, uh, on the blog uh, a couple months ago. But the more I thought about it um, over these last uh, weeks, uh, the more I've realized that this is something that I think more people need to be aware of. I think that this idea needs to be taught in conjunction with this passage more. And I've never heard it before. And I've been through seminary, all those different things. I've read a lot, a lot of commentaries. I've never seen this idea before. So here's something to think about. Uh, some scholars believe that Zacchaeus came down from the tree and loudly declared his intentions to give back half of his possessions um, to the poor, pay back four times the amount that he cheated people. Some scholars believe that the original Greek that the words were written in uh, indicate not that Zacchaeus would do these things or promise to do these things somewhere down the road, but that he was already doing these things. And so instead of coming down from the tree saying, hey, Jesus, thanks for inviting me down, man. Hey, listen, my intentions are to give back uh, everything I stole, and then give back to the poor uh, four times uh, the amount that I cheated. Whatever, my 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 goal, my my intention is to give this stuff back. I, I promise you, in like a, a month's time, I'm gonna make good on this stuff. Uh, yeah, let's let's do. I'm gonna do that, and then let's go to my house to eat. Instead, the Greek has Zacchaeus saying, "Hey Jesus, thanks for inviting me down from the tree. I've already been making some changes." I've already sold half of my possessions and I've given it to the poor and I've already been giving back four times the amount that I owed. Thank you for recognizing what I've been doing. And so instead of Zacchaeus telling Jesus of his future intentions, he was telling Jesus what he was already intentionally doing in the present moment. And this is a big deal. And it's a big deal because a verse earlier Luke tells us that all the people saw this, that Jesus was going to go to Zacchaeus' house, and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And so if these scholars are right, and Zacchaeus was already making right on all of his wrongs, and was already giving back to the poor, he's already giving back four times of what he stole, well then why are these people around him, who, mind you, are mostly church and temple people, what is their problem, Right? Like, why isn't the church restoring this guy? Why isn't the church supporting this man? Why isn't the church stepping in on his behalf and recognizing his efforts to right his wrongs? Why is the church labeling a repentant man who is doing the hard work to right his wrongs? Why are they saying he's a sinner? And why is the church telling this guy to keep his distance and to climb a tree to get a good look at the Messiah, the Son of God? Why is the church angry when Jesus wants to step into this guy's life? Right? What is going on? Here, here's what I think. I think, I think they were mad 
I think they were mistreating him. Because they couldn't wrap their mind around the idea that a tax collector could be anything other than a sinner. They couldn't wrap their mind around the idea that a tax collector was not inherently evil. They couldn't wrap their mind around the idea that a tax collector was nothing more than a a derogatory label that they had slapped on him. They couldn't wrap their mind around the idea that God could love and accept and validate someone like a tax collector that they had deemed to be nothing more than sinful, misguided, evil, a waste of human flesh. Now, here's here's an application for you. This is what the church does to LGBTQ people today, isn't it? So many churches, man, so many church people can't wrap their mind around the idea that a a gay person could be something other than a sinner. So many churches, church people can't wrap their mind around the idea that a lesbian is not inherently evil. So many can't wrap their mind around the idea that gay, trans, LGBTQ is nothing more than a label they've slapped on people in an effort to push away those they don't understand and gain control over those that they're afraid of. They can't wrap their mind around the idea that God could love, accept, validate somebody like an LGBTQ person that they have deemed to be nothing more than sinful, evil, misguided, and a waste of human flesh. It is so sad. But guys, in a way, LGBTQ people are the tax collectors of our day. And far too many churches and church people force them out of the crowd and up a tree to get their own good look at God. They're unwelcome in some churches. They're not welcome in the crowd. They're unable to hold positions of leadership in a lot of denominations. They're looked at as a special kind of sinner. They're told that God is mad at them. They're going to hell. They need to change and become straight. They're not welcome, in most cases, at the communion table. A lot of churches won't even marry them. Just as Zacchaeus was made to feel like he had to leave behind his life, his identity as a tax collector, in order to be fully loved and accepted by God, LGBTQ people are made to feel they need to leave behind who they are as gay, lesbian, trans, in order to be fully loved and accepted by God and the people of God. It doesn't matter how much they help the poor, how much they pray, how much they love their neighbor, how much like Christ they look. It doesn't matter until they stop being a tax collector, until they stop being gay. It'll never be enough for the church. Go up a tree and get a look at Jesus for yourself because you're not welcome here. I want to tell you that was a load of crap. 2,000 years ago with Zacchaeus, and it's still a load of crap today. Do you want to keep Christ in Christian uh, this Christmas season and beyond? Then invite the LGBTQ people around you down from the tree that the church has pushed them into and invite yourself into their life. Tell them you love them, you accept them, they don't need to change, you validate who they are, they are made in God's image. Tell them that they have an ally in you. 
I don't know if you know somebody who's LGBTQ or not, but if you do, keep Christ in Christian this week. Go out of your way and intentionally bless that person with some outward sign of love and acceptance. And if you don't know somebody who's LGBTQ, that's okay. I pray you cross paths with somebody this week at work, the grocery store, the gas station, who is LGBTQ. And I challenge you to have the courage to speak up, to say something, to notice their discomfort. Tell them you see the beauty in them. Apologize to them on behalf of the church and the history of the church that it's had mistreating and sending them up sycamore trees with Zacchaeus and every other person they don't care to understand. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And he saw something in Zacchaeus that nobody else saw. So who in your life doesn't feel loved, doesn't feel seen, has been made to feel like they're unworthy, unacceptable, dirty in the eyes of God? Has been made to feel like they need to climb a tree and keep their distance from the good, holy people of the church? Maybe it's a gay person. Maybe it's a single mom. Maybe it's an addict, an adulterer, an old widow that lives at the end of your street. I don't know who it is. But whoever it is, go, go be Christ to them today. This Christmas season, the upcoming 2020 year. The machine called the church might have pushed them out or made them feel unworthy. But as we said before, rage against the machine. Consider this episode your permission slip to buck the system. Push back against the empire. Stir up some holy trouble. Invite the outcast down from the tree and step into their life. Thank you for joining me for episode 71, part one of our series. And uh, I will see you next week for round number two. Peace.